What's up, Coastal? How you guys doing this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Easter service. Hey, can we give it up right now for all the people that are sitting in additional seating? Can we give it up for them right now? Man, we got like a whole bunch of people in a different room watching on TV, on, on the screen. Man, we're so glad that you're with us today. I'm excited. Anybody excited for Easter today? pretty pumped for that. Before we kind of dive into today, hey, next weekend we start a brand new series called Insane in the Membrane. And uh, I, I'm a product of the 90s. If you haven't figured that out yet, it's why we have like 90s rap. You, you might even hear me rap next week. It's, uh, it'll be, that right there is worth the price of admission. I promise you that. Just kidding. You don't want to hear it. And, uh, but here's what I do know is that right now, depression, anxiety, uh, wild, irrational thoughts, like everything that's going on in our mind is a big deal. And for a long time, the church has been silent on things that people are going through. And we're not that kind of church. We're a church that we, we addressed issues because I believe that God addressed issues. I believe that God wants to come in and, and help some of us that are dealing with some things in our mind. And there's a battle that is going on. And I believe that it can be won through the power of God's work inside of us. And so I want to invite you back next weekend. In fact, I would invite you to invite some friends, maybe not to this service, but maybe a different service because this one's kind of, full, kind of full right now. So anyways, just throwing it out there. But I love Easter. And one of the reasons I love Easter is because Easter is all about hope. And I don't know about you, but it's in a day and an age where there's a lot of things that feel hopeless, we could use some hope today because life, if you haven't noticed, it can be kind of discouraging at times. Anybody experience some discouragement? Couple of us, okay. For the rest of us that aren't being real yet, we'll get real, okay? I promise. <laughs> promise. This is, this is an interactive service. You can respond back. You won't get struck with a lightning bolt. It's all good. Uh, I, I learned about discouragement uh, quite a few years ago. I had some friends that were that were runners, and uh, they were running a 5K race. They signed up for it, and they're like, hey, TJ, you should come run this 5K race with us. And I was like, I'm not really a runner, but like, I, I, I'm good at winning things, so I'll, yeah, I'll do that. And... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm working on that. And so I signed up for this 5K race. I, I did not train for it. I did not prepare for it. I just showed up. And I thought to myself, like, uh, seriously, like DJ Khaled, all I do is win, 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 win. That's my motto in life. And so I thought to myself, man, I, I, I'm going to show up and I'm going to win this race. I get there. I look around. I notice that I'm not dressed properly for the attire. I'm wearing, like, baggy shorts and, like, a loose-fitting shirt. They're all wearing, like, Daisy Dukes, you know, guys. And they're, like, they're ready to run. They got, like, gel and stuff they're putting on themselves all kinds of stuff. I'm like, like, where are we at? And they say, hey, everybody that's competitive, you know, that's running to, to, to like win, not running for fun, go up to the front. So I'll make my way up to the front and I, <laughs> I don't know any better. And uh, when I get up to the front, I realize that I have a very, very different body type than everybody else that's up there. Like the guy next to me on my left looks like he has never consumed a carb in his life. He is like rail thin. And then the guy over here just ran here from Kenya and uh, like it's like looks totally different. And I think to myself, hmm, this will be interesting. And, uh, and, and so they start the race, you know, three, two, one, and they shoot a gun. And these two jokers take off like a pack of wild hyenas. I mean, it's like, man, they're like, like as soon as I went, they're like gone. And, and here's the funny thing is I was running right with them. Like I didn't know... The you're supposed to set a pace. They were my pace. And so, man, I'm running. I'm running the fastest I've ever ran in my life. I played college football, and I've never ran this fast in my life. And I'm running. We get to the first mile, and I've ran a sub-five-minute mile. 
Yeah, that, that's impressive right there. Now, now my body did not find that quite as impressive because I, when I hit that mile and they kind of were telling you your times, my, like the breath kind of left my lungs and all I could hear was, <laughs> like I could not catch my breath. Like literally that's how I sounded like I was a dying cow or something. You're like running a race. And then my like calves started cramping. Uh, my stomach started cramping. And all of a sudden this extreme pace that I was running started getting a little bit slower and a little bit slower until I felt like I was running really fast, but I was like barely like moving my legs. They were like, <laughs> they were not working properly. And, and I knew it was getting bad for me as people started passing me and I knew it got really bad when the lady uh, in her 40s had the double jogging stroller pass me by with her kids. So not only, not only is a woman passing me, but she's like pushing other people at a greater pace than I'm running right now. And so like, it's, it's like, it's getting bad in that moment. And, and so we finally, I get to this last part, you know, and I turn the corner, it's like a hundred yard stretch. I can see the finish line and there's people like lined up for 30 yards at the end of the race, just cheering on the runners. Yeah, go runners. You did it. You know, they're, they're all excited for everybody. And I look down there and I see that I'm like, man it's on except that an older gentleman had caught up to me at this point and this older gentleman was like the bionic man his his legs did not bend at the knees he had like these braces on his legs and so this dude has high step literally Deion Sanders style his entire race like he has ran like this and he is up next to me we see the finish line and and I look at him and he looks at me and he gives me that look like come on punk and 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 he takes off. He starts running faster than I'm running. He's high-stepping. And so I start going full speed. I'm running as fast as I can. We get to the 30 yards where everybody's cheering. This guy is, is right there next to me. I'm like, what are you, Superman? It's like, and, and in this moment, my body said, we're not doing this anymore. And I started throwing up profusely right in the middle of the race. Everybody's like, yeah. Oh, Sweet baby Jesus, is that yesterday's lunch? It's a discouraging moment of my life. Here's what I know is that some of you, you're going through some discouraging moments. Maybe not as discouraging as that. Or maybe more discouraging than that. Maybe some of you just got a diagnosis and it's a discouraging moment. Or there's some drama and some tension in your family dynamics and relationships and you're kind of discouraged today. Or your kids are going a way different way than you ever raised them to go and you're discouraged today. And it's really, really easy to live with discouragement in life. But what I love about Easter is it reminds us of a hope that is so much greater than our discouragement. It reminds us of a hope that is rooted in the belief that Jesus died and rose again 2,000 years ago. And so our hope doesn't have to be based on what's happening in our life, but based on what's already happened for our life. And so today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture out of 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. And uh, Peter was one of the 12 disciples. And Peter, 
saw some amazing things. He was a part of all of Jesus' ministry. So he saw people raised from the dead. He saw blind eyes that were seeing. He saw deaf ears that could hear. He saw some incredible, incredible miracles. Heard great teaching from Jesus. Was there at Jesus' death and resurrection. I mean, and ended up being the guy that Jesus said, Hey, I'm going to build my church upon. And Peter is writing to a group of cross followers 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And he's reminding them, he's encouraging them of some principles that they're going to need to remember about the resurrection if, if they're going to live with that hope today. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again, which is, which is this term for every single one of us have a spirit inside of us that God wants to rebirth inside of us with his spirit. He wants his spirit to live inside of us, to breathe new life into us because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with, help me, help me read these words. Now we live with, okay, that was good on this side. This side, you're, you're failing a little bit. So, so we're going to try this again. I'm going I'm to go, now we live with, and I'm going to point at it, and then you guys say something, okay? Now we live with great Now we live with great expectation. How many of you, when you woke up this morning, were like, you know what? Today I live with great expectation. <laughs> Not very many of you, apparently. But what it's saying here is, is we live with great expectation. And what happens for us is we look at a lot of things and we don't see great expectation, do we? We look at the news and, and, and we don't see a whole lot of great expectation. We look at the diagnosis and we don't see a whole lot of great expectation. We look at our, our family dynamics right now and we don't see a whole lot of great expectation. We look at a lot of different things and we don't see great expectation. But what Peter is telling us here is he's saying, listen, when we start to raise our vision through faith, not based on what's happening, but what's already happened. All of a sudden, we live with great expectation because of what Jesus already did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And there is a power that is alive that is within us that will take us further than we could ever go on ourselves. And that's why we live with a great expectation. And so today I want to talk to you about how do you live with great expectation? How do you have that in your life? In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I have great expectation. Now, turn to the person you don't have any expectations from and say, I have great expectations as two. <laughs> so how do we have great expectations this Easter? Number one, if you're taking notes today, there's notes on all of your chairs if you want to follow along. Number one, we've got to discover freedom from our past. We have got to discover freedom from our past. Any of you have a friend that can like always bring up the past like in an instant? It's like, hey, I remember December 12th, 1984 when you said this and did that. It's like they, they've got the past memorized and they are always bringing it up and throwing it in your face. It's like something about them. It's their spiritual gift of bringing up your past. Those are like your best friends, aren't they? You're like, man, I love spending time with you. Let's hug. Let's hug it out. Reminds me of a couple that that we're arguing over a particular issue and 
the issue that they kept having this disagreement on was is every time that the husband would go into the bathroom, he would always find the toilet paper uh, gone and all that was left is the brown cylinder. And so he would grab it and go, why don't you ever change the toilet paper? Why am I the only one in the house that changes the toilet paper? And the wife would argue back, I change the toilet paper just as much as you do. And, and they would just bicker back and forth. It was a constant argument in their house. And one day the husband decided, that's it, I've had enough. And so what he did is every day going forward, every time he would go and change the toilet paper roll, he'd take off that brown cylinder, he would sign it and date it, and he took it to a closet in his house where he had a garbage bag up on the top, and he'd put the cylinder in. And weeks and months passed by. This man was preparing for war. But he was methodical, and he was strategic, and he was ready for his moment. And one day he walked into the, the bathroom and noticed that the, the toilet paper roll was empty. And he grabbed the toilet paper roll and he said, see, I told you that I change the toilet paper more than you do. And she goes, no, you don't. I change it just as much as you do. And that day he went to the closet, grabbed the garbage bag, brought it to the dining room table and dumped it all over the dining room table and said, see, here, 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 here. I change it way more than you do. Guys, word of advice, don't do that. <laughs> Win the battle, but you sleep it on the couch for the next three years, okay? And in that moment, the wife said, you're crazy, which he is. You're a crazy man if you do that. The reason I tell you that story is because I think that's how a lot of us perceive God. We see God as this God in heaven who is Writing down every indiscretion, every screw up, every mess up. And he's keeping a list and he's checking it twice. It's like he's Santa Claus and you're on the naughty list, right? And he just, he's just waiting for the moment where he can just go, gotcha, and drop the hammer. Just like that. Ah, gotcha. It's perfect timing there. God is just but he's also merciful. He's a loving God who is full of grace and mercy. And Easter is a reminder that the, the heart of God is that he doesn't want to hinder relationship. In fact, he wants to reconcile relationship. He wants to bring people back together. And he, he knows that there's been some separation on our part. And, and, and that, what that verse in 1 Peter 1, 1.3 says, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So it's through God's great mercy that we have forgiveness and we have a second chance. Because here's what I know is we all have a past. And some of us, our pasts are amazing and beautiful. And then some of us, our pasts are brutal and not so amazing. In fact, a lot of us, we like to forget our past. We like to just ignore what happened. I know that there are some things in my past that I would like to ignore. One of the things that I would like to ignore is being on the school bus as a kid. Anybody else ride the school bus as a kid? Come on, throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. Yeah, a lot of us. Man, I remember being in the third grade. I was the fat kid with glasses. And I remember getting on the school bus and getting picked on every single day. I hated the school bus. And I never want to relive the school bus moments in life. But how many of y'all know I fly southwest? 
Come on, somebody. And it's like being back on the school bus again, and you're walking down the aisle. Is that seat taken? Is anybody sitting there? Can I have the center seat? And I feel like I'm in, I'm in elementary school all over again, and I, I'm trying to forget those moments, and all of a sudden I'm reliving them as an adult. And a lot of us, we'd like to forget our past, but our past keeps popping its ugly head back up in our present, doesn't it? And some of us, man, we feel like our past is super, super checkered. You know, man, maybe we have a divorce and we feel like, man, we can't, we can't be whole. We can't be, we can't be loved because of that's happened in our past. Or we have a business failure and we think, man, I can never experience success. And I'm trying to hide my failure in life. Maybe some of us have had some, some moral dilemmas and, 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 and man, we're just trying to get away from those things. And it's, it's like the past is always seemingly popping back up in our life. And what I've learned is if you don't deal with the pain of your past, you'll begin to deal out of that pain in every single relationship around you. See, your past isn't your past if it's still impacting your present. And so many of us are running away from something instead of running to the one who can heal us from our past, Jesus Christ. The one who went to the cross so that we can be forgiven of our past and we can find freedom from our past so we can live the life that he intended for us. That's why it says in Titus chapter 3, verse 3, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. That's like a description of my life. Dupes of sin. Ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. And it says, but when, and I love the big butts of God, man. There's something about a big butt that just changes everything. It'd be a good series, Big Butts of the Bible. I don't know. It's anyways, just saying, it's a lot of butts. It says, but when God, our kind and loving Savior, he stepped in and saved us from all of that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it. New people washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us our lives back. And there's more life to come and eternity of life. You can count on this. See, what it's saying is, is that it's saying, my sin, your sin. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we've all sinned. In fact, I, I just want to make sure. Anybody here perfect? Anybody here trying to work out their perfection? Like, I'm just too perfect. I need to go to church today. I, I, I don't think so. No, we're here because we're jacked up. We're messed up. And we're in need of saving. And you've sinned, and I've, I've definitely sinned. And that sin didn't make us bad. What it did is it made us dead to God. And what God wanted to do is make us alive. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, to make us not only alive, but to also free us from our past. See, Jesus didn't come to die on the cross to condemn us of our sin, but to free us from it so that we can live with purpose and identity that isn't found on what we have done, but it's found in what he has already done for us. So how do you live with great expectation? You live with great expectation by finding freedom from your past. And when you find freedom from your past, number two, you can expect a brighter tomorrow. You can expect a brighter tomorrow. It says in that verse, in verse one, we live with great expectation. It can be translated as we live with a living hope. 
It's a hope that's alive. It's not, it's not this idea of good vibes. It's not this idea of feelings. It's not blind optimism. It's living hope. And I can't think of a better way to describe living hope than a member of my family. Uh, his name is Preacher. And Preacher lives with some living hope. In fact, I want to show you a Preacher of living with living hope. That's Preacher. He's a great Dane. That's our center island. And that's a plate full of cheese. Now, preacher, preacher has some living hope right there. Preacher has never, never ate people food. We don't feed him people food. He eats dog food. But he has this hope that one day mom and dad are going to take a piece of cheese off of that plate and put it near his mouth, and he's going to eat it all up. He is living with this hope. I'll tell you what, preacher sleeps 22 to 23 hours a day. Dude, dude is the laziest dog in the world. He'll be in a coma on the floor. You can kick him. You can fall on him. doesn't matter. He's not going to wake up. But the moment you walk into the kitchen, you got a great dame by your side because he's like, today might be the day I get some people food. Cats, they don't have hope. Cats have entitlement. Dogs have hope, living hope. Just, just letting you know, if, if you have cats, there's prayer for you afterwards. <laughs> hope, my friends, is a powerful thing. And Easter is all about this living hope, this great expectation that we can expect a brighter tomorrow. We can expect a brighter tomorrow in spite of what's happening in politics. We can expect a brighter tomorrow in spite of what's happening in our economy. We can expect a brighter tomorrow in spite of what's happening in our diagnosis. We can expect a brighter tomorrow in spite of what's happening with our kids or our grandkids because we have a hope, we have an expectation. See, a lot of people see hope as good vibes. They see it as, man, I just got this feeling inside of me. It's kind of like Justin Timberlake saying a couple of years ago, I got that feeling, right? I got that sunshine in my pockets. Any of you guys ever heard this? Got that good soul in my feet. I got that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh. In case you don't know, let me help you out. Tech team, help me out. Help me out. Right? I can't stop the feeling I got that sunshine in my pockets today. But what happens when tomorrow comes and you got like a pocket full of rocks? What happens when that good soul leaves your feet and you got no shoes on? Like what are you going to do in those moments? Because when it's all based on feelings, how many of y'all know feelings are fleeting? They come here and there, but hope stands in spite of the feelings. It stands beyond those 
things. And what Peter is saying is we have a hope because our hope isn't in a feeling. It isn't in a vibe. It isn't in good soul in our feet. It's in ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the greatest hope we can have. It's a hope that stands the test of time. Listen, the word hope is mentioned 71 times in the New Testament. 70 of those times happen after the resurrection. Why? Because hope was just an idea until the resurrection. Hope became real when the resurrection had because they saw that no matter what life would hurl their way, there was something that was greater that would be there. That's why Peter says in verse 4, and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you and for you and for you and for you and for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change, beyond the circumstances that are happening in your life, beyond the diagnosis that you're experiencing, beyond the crisis that you're going through, beyond the trouble that you're facing today, is beyond the reach of change and decay. What Peter is saying is, listen, I know that there's circumstantial things that are happening, but I have a hope that's greater than that. I have an inheritance that goes beyond this life to the next life and it's the hope of heaven it's the hope of eternity where there'll be no more pain there'll be no more suffering there'll be no more depression there'll be no more anxiety there'll be no more just crap it's kind of the exact opposite of being a Miami Dolphins fan sorry Dolphins you want to know what it is you know why you can expect a brighter tomorrow? Greatest illustration of this is you're going to go through some fires in life. You're going to go through some collapses in life. We saw that this week with Notre Dame. But you know what? After the fires and the collapse at Notre Dame, you know what still stood? The cross. Because it doesn't matter what fire you're going through. It doesn't matter what collapse is happening around you. The cross still stands. And the hope of Christ gives you a hope for a brighter tomorrow. It gives you freedom from your past, which allows you to, number three, to walk in confidence today. allows you to walk in confidence today, which, verse 5, and it says, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. He says, man, get ready to party. Get ready to rejoice because there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. See, some of us, we're enduring some trials right now. And what God is saying is, listen, I know that you're going through some things, but here's what you've never realized is, is why you're going through those things, I I'm protecting you. You might not see it. You might not understand it. But what it's basically saying is, is, is something I love to say is God's got this. God's got this. And the reason I know that God has got this, whatever this is in your life here today, whatever has got you discouraged, whatever is keeping you from some great expectations in your life because of the cross of Christ, the reason why I know that God's got this is because the number one promise that's throughout Scripture from the Genesis, from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation, that's mapped out throughout the Old and New Testament 
is a simple promise from God. It's not that you're going to be blessed. It's not that you're going to drive a Bentley with 22s. The overarching promise of God's word is, is that God is with you. This is what God promises. God promises, hey, I've got this. And the reason I've got this is because I'm right there with you. In the loneliness, I'm right there. In the brokenness, I'm right there. In the despair, I'm right there. In the middle of the night when I can't calm that child that's crying, I'm right there with you. Right, moms? We know what it's like. We have, we have one-year-old. Been there, done that. In fact, the last, one of the last things that Jesus said in Matthew 28, is he says, here's his promise. I will be with you always until the end of the age. And here's what I know about you is that there's some of you here today you came to church out of ritual it's Christmas and Easter that's when people come to church it's Easter gotta go to church it's Christmas gotta go to church it's my ritual but we don't serve a God that's about rituals we serve a God that is about a relationship and ritual may have brought you here, but relationships is the only thing that's going to take you where God wants you to go. And maybe today is the day in additional seating that you've been going this way, and God's been right here all along. He's been knocking. He's been trying to get your attention, and you've been trying to figure it out on your own. And what God is saying to you today is, listen, I'm with you, but you've got to pivot in my presence and recognize that I'm there. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to help you. I've already paid the price for you, so you don't have to be held back by your past anymore. You don't have to live without a hope for tomorrow, and you can walk in confidence today, but you've got to recognize me. Because I am the God who is, who was, and will always be with you. Maybe today is the day that you need to turn to him. And surrender your way for his way. To give up your past mistakes for his glorious future. If you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I, 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 I need that, TJ. I need freedom from my past. I need, I need a hope for a brighter future and I need confidence today. And God's been knocking at my door or my heart or my life for a long time and I, I've been ignoring that knock, but today's the day that I'm not going to ignore it any longer. How you start that is with a simple prayer and it goes like this and you just pray this right with me you just go God today I hear your knock and I answer I've gone my own way I've tried my own way I've done my own thing 
and it hasn't led me to what I needed. In other words, I've sinned, which means I've missed the mark. Because you are the creator. And you created me with intention and purpose. And I want to live with that. And I recognize today that you love me so much that 2,000 years ago you sent your son Jesus Christ to live a perfect life, a sinless life, to die a sinner's death, the death that I deserve for my mistakes, my screw-ups, my mess-ups, my past. So that I could be forgiven. So that I could be set free. So I could live with this great expectation, this living hope. Come into my heart. Take over my life. I surrender to you here today. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here today, you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time. You're saying, God, man, I, I need that today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, it says, man, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll, if you're willing to not be ashamed of me before man, I won't be ashamed of you before my father. If on the count of three, you just slip your hand up. I'd love to recognize you and celebrate you with every head bowed and every eye closed. It's just me. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip your hands up. Slip your hands up. Hands going up all over the place. God, I thank you for these people. God, I pray that you would seal this decision that they made with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for the rest of the people that are in here today. God, that you would give them confidence in you. God, that they would be the head and not the tail. That they'd be above and not beneath. And they would remember that because of the power of the cross, that the work has already been done through you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.